Randaf Yud Aleph Amid Aleph at the top of the page, three lines from the top. We're continuing a long list of teachings by the same uh, same person. Any city where the roofs of the houses are higher than the synagogue, in the end, it's destroyed. Why? Because we learned, as it says, the Roman is basically It says to lift up the the uh, the house of our of our God. It has to be higher. And and through that, um, we lift up its uh, buildings that are down. And it says the end says to put a wall around Judah and Yerushalayim. So therefore. Uh, the, on the opposite, if they don't do this, so if, the, if they lift the house up, that's, that's the good point. If they don't, the opposite happens. But when we said that nothing should be higher than the Beit Knesset, we're talking about houses. When it comes to decorative buildings and towers, they're not living places, less lanbo. Those ones, but there's no problem if they're higher. Ravashi said that by my actions, by me stopping the people in Matamaxia from making the houses higher than the synagogue, I stopped it from being destroyed. Says the Gemara of Lahar, what do you mean? But we know that it was destroyed. He says, Me also of in Lahar. The answer is no, but not from that sin. It was a different reason. It wasn't from that sin, exactly. We Amar Rabba Barmachsia, Barmachasia, Amar Rabchamar Rakhir, Amar Rab, same thing. He says, Tachis Ishmael, better to be a servant of Ishmael, even though we don't want to, of Ishmaelites, below Tachis Nachri, and not, and not to be under the Nachri, meaning what? Not under Edomites. They're very, uh, very, they're wicked, they're more wicked than Ishmaelim. Tachis Nachri, better to be under the, under the governance, under, to have to serve an Edomite, below Tachis Chabor. They were particularly, a particularly wicked nation, the Chabor. Okay, tachas chabor, better to be under the rule of a chabor, below tachas tamachacham, and not have to serve a tamachacham. Why? Because, because the tamachacham is angry, and he gets the person, if he, if he gives a trouble to the tamachacham, and he troubles him, the punishment is very great. Tachas tamachacham, better to have to serve a tamachacham, even though if displeasing him, it brings a great punishment, below tachas yasum amana, better not to, not to have to serve uh, orphans and widows who, cry, who can easily cry, and, uh, and it's, he has a tremendous punishment. Better to have any, any drawn-out illness that, that weakens a person over time and not, and not the, and not, and not the a illness of the intestines, which is the worst of all. When a person has uh, a pain that, comes, uh, that just comes, and not one of the heart. Better to have any, 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 anything that's just a, a, a lighter discomfort that comes and goes, but not, not when a person feels pain in the head. Any, any wickedness, and not a wicked wife. He said, if all the seas would be ink, and all of the marshes where the greeds grow, they would all be pens. And if the heavens were parchments, the Hobani Adam Labdarim and all people were scribes, Aim must speak him, it wouldn't be enough The depths of what goes on in the heart of the government are so great. There's so many things you have to figure out all the time to take care of the country, all the different needs of the country. Nobody can nobody could write it down. Mikrof, where do we see this in a Pasak? because it says Shamaim Larum, the heavens for their height, and the depths of the earth, the Lab Malachim in the heart of kings. There's no fathoming them. There's no grasping them. It's a tremendously big thing. 
there are different ways you learn this. Some, some people learn simply for this. You have to know. That's why you have to pray for the government. The government has a big, big job to do. You have to pray for them or pray for the king. He also said that a, a, a fasting, when a person has a bad dream, fasting is, is so effective at, at canceling the negative effects of bad, bad dream, just like the just like the fluff that comes off of the uh, that comes off of the linen when the person combs it, and that stuff is just snapped up and burnt up immediately by the flame. So too is any bad of a bad dream snapped up and, and, and eradicated by fasting. Rav says, but it has to be the same day he had the dream. He has to have the fasting. From Rav Yosef, Rav Yosef says, and, and, uh, and, and even on Shabbos, it's so important to fast. On the same day that he had the bad dream, even if it was on Shabbos, he should fast, but we don't normally fast. And the, and the, over there, how can we do it? Because he's taking, he, he is even the, over there, he's getting rid of his pain by fasting on Shabbos. We're going to see an illustration of this principle. He came to Ravashi's house. They made him a delicacy, the third-born calf. It's apparently the, you know, strong, if the third one, it's really good. They said to him, let him ask to taste something. He said to them, he's a batani he says, he says, he says I'm, I'm, I'm on a fast, I can't eat. They said to him, listen, you know, this is really good, you should take advantage. They said, don't you hold the teaching of Rabbi Yehuda? Dumb Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yehuda said, "Lova Adam Tanisa Barea." Rabbi Yehuda said, "Anytime it's a, a private fast, an individual fast, you can borrow it. You can stop this fast. You can eat today, and then just pay back another day. Don't don't, don't give up this opportunity." Amalehu, he said to them, "Chalomu." He says, "I'm fasting for a dream. It's not a normal fast." We learned, we learned that a fast to take away the bad effects of a dream is as effective as fire to the fluff that comes off of the off of the cloth. said has to be the very same day. That's why you're right. Theoretically, I could drop this fast and pay back another day, but it won't have the value that it's supposed to have to get rid of the negative effect of the dream. We learned in the Mishnah at the end, we, we learned first, we learned if you started any of the things that you're not supposed to start just before Mincha, if you did start them, you don't have to stop. But then at the very end, we learned the general rule that contradicts it because it said, we stop for Shema and we don't stop for, for Tefillah, for Shema and Esrei. Before, so, uh, uh, pardon me, we, pardon me, we stop for Shema, but we don't stop for, uh, for Shema and Esrei. So why do you have to tell me that? You already told me. You already told me if you started, you don't stop. Why do you tell me you stop for Shema? We don't stop. We don't stop for Davani. You told me before. If you start, if you start, don't stop. What do you have to tell me for? Hatan Leirishu. We already learned it before. Emafsika. We don't stop. So the Gemara says you're right. The end is not talking about this case at all. It's not talking about uh, about. Uh, whether we start, well, if we started something before Mincha, it's talking about a different case entirely. The last general rule is speaking about learning. That do you stop your learning for Shema or do you stop your learning for Shema Nesrei? And there it's saying we stop learning in order to say the Shema, which is from the Torah, but we don't stop for Tefillah, which is from the rabbis. The Tanya, because we learn, that if it's a group of people that were busy, involved, in, engaged in Torah learning, they stop. Uh, to say the Shema because it's a Torah law. And Mavsik and Litfila, but but from the and then off to stop for prayer because in the Torah there's no set time for prayer. Amrabi as opposed to Shema, the time's gonna pass. Amrabi Yochanan Loshanu Ela Kagonu Shimba Yochai. 
Rabbi Yochanan said, listen, that rule that you only stop for Shema, you don't stop for Shema necessarily, that's for only people who are totally immersed in Torah, like Shema Yochai Bechaberev and his, and his colleues, Shetorosan and Manosan, where their whole career, their whole life is Torah. Abba people like us, in Mafsikim the Kriya Shema, the Tefillah, said people like us who stop for Kriya Shema and for... People like us who do other things, pardon me, to support, to, to, to take care of our business, to support ourselves, besides Torah, we stop for Kriyashma and for Tvila. The end of that Mishnah doesn't apply to us. Well, Tanya, did we learn? We learned the price that doesn't seem to fit with anybody. It says the same way that we don't that we don't stop for prayer, we don't stop for Shema. Wait a second, you just told me even people who learn Torah stop for Shema. Who are you talking about? How can you have a case you don't stop for prayer and you don't stop for 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 for, for Shema? You're right, that's a super special group, Bibushana. That's talking about that the rabbis who are gathered together, um, secreting themselves in order to decide uh, if they should intercalate the year, if they should add a month to the year. We learned and We said when we would be involved in discussing the interpolation of the year in Yavne, we wouldn't stop for anything. The incredible did. Now, okay, we're going to learn from, the, from this. Mishnah is going to learn a bunch of things that the rabbis decreed to protect us from sin. We'll see that. The tailor shouldn't go out with his needle before Shabbos, okay, lest he'll forget on Shabbos and carry on Shabbos, or you know, transfer from domain to domain or carry within the public domain. Maybe you'll forget and he'll go out on Shabbos. Similarly, the scribe doesn't go out with his, with his pen on our Shabbos. Why? Lest he'll do the same thing on Shabbos. We'll see. A person should not check his, his clothing for lice. A person shouldn't read by the light of a lamp because the lamp has to be adjusted. He could come to, you know, oil lamp, he'll come to transgress the Shabbos. The truth is they said a special rule. We have a tradition that even though we said you can't read by a lamp, a chazan, a chazan is a person like a seer. His job, we can say one of two ways. Either we say it's his job to tell everybody on Shabbos morning where to, where to read in the Torah. And he doesn't remember, so he has to find out So there's a, that. Or, he, or, or in general, he has to know where, where he's teaching the children. Either way. So what does he do? We have a rule that he is allowed to go either on Friday night when the kids are learning by the lamp, he can go over and just glance at where he's up to. You know, what's, the, what's the portion of the week? Where does he have to know where they read? Or alternatively, even he himself in order to find out what he has to teach the kids, he can just glance at it just to see where, you know, where, where, where the right place is, but not really read it next to the lamp. And that's a special leniency for the chazan, for the person whose job it is either to show the people where to read the Torah or to teach the children. Okay, but he's not even so, he can just glance at it, but he actually can't read with the kids or period. He just has to just glance. Similarly, another way that the rabbis made a decree to keep people away from sinning, let's say a man has the uncleanliness of being a zab, he sees emissions that are a certain type of disease that make him unclean from the Torah, and also, or the Zava, a woman who has seen blood in the non-Nida time, which is a special status of being unclean, called Zava, and living with her is a very severe prohibition. So even not only can a, should, should a husband not eat at the same table with his wife, who's a Zava, or a Nida, by the way, either one, not only when he's a Zava, but he's unclean, and it's hard for him, and it's hard for him 
to it's hard for him to uh, to have intercourse even, even and certainly a normal person can't eat with his wife when she's unclean in that way because they'll come to do a sins and as you know it's forbidden we'll see with the rabbis teaches there are lenient there's ways to do it so that they protect themselves but without any protection they're not allowed to eat at the same table lest they come to have intercourse with, in, in a forbidden state Tanan Hasim, now we're going to learn, uh, we're going to, uh, to, to introduce this, we're going to learn a law in which our mission is going to become evidence for one side of an argument. So just be patient, you'll see where our mission comes into the discussion. Tanan Hasim, we learned, uh, we learned uh, a Mishnah. A person shouldn't stand in the private domain, and just stick his head in and drink uh, from, a, from a utensil in the public domain. And person shouldn't stand in the public domain. He shouldn't stick his head into the private domain and drink. Okay, why? Because we're afraid. We're afraid that he'll he'll. What's going to happen next is he's going to take the utensil from the other domain and bring it back to this domain. But if he put his head and his the most of his body, he really, really, really put him whole be whole self except for his feet, so to speak, into the other domain. So then Shosa, if he puts his head, most of his body, into the place where he's drinking from mutter, then he's allowed to do it. We're not really afraid under those circumstances that he's going to bring the utensil back. And then it says a very, a very mystifying thing. It's a begat. And the same rule applies by a wine press. We'll have to see what that means. What, 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 what does it mean by the wine press? We'll have to see. Ibailu. So they had a general question. The rabbis asked, Carmelis, we told me that I can't lean into the private domain or the public domain, respectively, and drink unless I put my whole body into there, almost. Okay, Carmelis, well, what if, the, what if the other domain was not a private domain or public domain? The other domain was a rabbinic domain. Like a field. I'm standing in the private domain and leaning over to the field, or standing in the public domain and leaning over to a field. My, what's the rule over there? Is that, is, does that have the same rule that I'm forbidden? Or maybe no, since that's only a rabbinic domain, what's the difference? Even if I would bring the utensil back, it would only be a rabbinic prohibition. Did the rabbi still prohibit me from doing that, even though what it might lead to would only be rabbinic and not if I'm leaning from private to public, public to private, if I do the wrong thing and bring the utensil back, I'll have transgressed a Torah prohibition. But if I'm leaning over from either of the, of the public or private domains into a rabbinic domain, even if I did the worst thing, I brought, I, I, I brought the utensil back into my domain, it would still only be, only be a rabbinic prohibition. What's the rule? Does that rabbinic decree apply or not? Amar Abaya, he, he. Abaya says, yes, it's one in the same. There's no difference. Rav Amar, Rav says, he, Rav brings up, he says, that absolutely can't be. He says, he, Gufa Gzeri, says, the very idea that they forbade me to lean over and drink in the other domain is only a rabbinic decree, lest I come to a, a Torah prohibition and, bring, and, and draw the keli back, and draw the utensil back. Are we going to get up? Now we're going to make a decree to a decree? If the worst that's going to happen in this scenario is that he's going to, he's going to draw, bring back the utensil from a rabbinic domain to a private or public domain, which is only rabbinic prohibition. He says, now you're going to make a decree that I, can't, that I can't lean over and drink lest I come to a rabbinic decree? There's no such thing. So now we're going to see, first of all, Abai defends himself. Now I'll show you that I'm correct, that even for a rabbinic decree, you have, to, you have to read it that way, the way I read it, that even for a rabbinic decree. Why? Look, because look at the Mishnah. How do I know that what I'm saying is true? The Kotani, because the Mishnah taught the Chaim Bagas. Remember, the end was it said this rule that we said you can't leave to the lean over to the public, lean over to the private. The same rule applies by a wine press. Now he reads it the simplest way. The same rule applies by a wine press. You can't lean over and drink from the wine press 
unless, uh, uh, etc., etc. You know, he's, he's, he's learning it the simplest way. The, the same rule applies by Ryan Press. Now he says, my God, what kind of wine press are you talking about? Okay? If you tell me it's 10 high and 4 wide, it's a private domain. Tanita, we already learned it. You already told me I can't lean over into the private domain and drink. The E was just a rabbi. If you tell me it's a public domain, it's it's so low, it's below three. It's a very 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 low one, or whatever, or, or it's a, maybe who knows what is a, a depression. Very, it's below three, and it's a public domain. He was just a rabbi. Tanina, you already also told me that. You already told me I can't lead to a public pu- public domain. So it can't be that the, that the wine press is a private domain. I already learned it. it can't be public. I already learned it. Elolav. So what am I forced to say? Carmelis, it must be a wine press that that's between three and ten. Okay, and four and four wide. It must be. A rabbinic domain wine press and still it said what the same rule applies you can't lean over and drink so you see that they made a decree to protect the rabbinic decree that's what i have to learn Rabbi Amar says, get out of here. He says, that is not the case. You're making a mistake. And even though it's harder to read, that's what he says. The, the, the case of the same thing with the wine press is not talking about, is not talking about this law. You read it that what? The same law that you can't lead over a drink applies to wine press. He says, no. He means to say that the condition that was brought about in this Mishnah also applies to a whole other law with the wine press. Let me introduce for a second. You know that we have to take truma, semisis, etc. The rabbis told, but the, all those, those rules apply when the, when the, when the food has, has, has been completely processed. But beforehand, you're not obligated to make the separation. And even though the food hasn't been processed, the, and you could really, from the Torah, eat it or drink it, the rabbi said, you can only eat it or drink it if it's a temporary eating or drinking. But if it's the normal, normative eating or drinking, then the rabbi said, from rabbinic prohibition, even though from the Torah, you're not obligated to separate yet, the rabbi said, we're not allowed now you eat or drink until you separate. But as long as it's a temporary eating or drinking, it's okay. So he says, that Rabbi says that that rule that it says, and the same thing by the Gat, it's not saying, oh, the same rule that you can't lean over applies by the wine press. He says, no, the same condition that we learned over here, that if you put your whole body, your, your head, your whole body over, the, 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 the decree doesn't apply. We're going to see that a different decree entirely doesn't apply by the wine press. What is that? That we're going to see that, that, that depending whether, how he drinks from the wine press, will the rabbi say, no, that's a, te- that's a temporary drinking and it's okay, or say, no, that's a permanent drinking and you're obligated to take the, take the, take the meiser before you, before, you, uh, before you drink. Okay, so now, now it should be easy. Rav Amar, the Chaim he says, when it said the, the same thing by the wine press, Linyan meiser, it's only talking about taking meiser. What do you mean to say? That... That if you if you are what if you put if you just put if you if you're putting your whole body over, we're not afraid that you're going to take the wine away from the wine press because that'll be considered a permanent drinking. You're going to take it away, and you're not going to you're not going to throw it back. You're really it's a it's a true drinking. When do we call it a temporary drinking? Hey, if you have anything, you'll drink. If you left left over, you throw it back into the wine press. That's temporary. So now we're saying to it, when is it? So the same thing applies. If you just put your head over it, where we say oh, that's fine. You're not obligated to take my source. Why? Because 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 it's temporary. You finish, you'll just throw it back. But if it, uh, but it, pardon me, the other way. I'm saying if you put your whole body over, then you're really staying there. It's not a problem. But if you're just leaning over. We're afraid that that is a that is a that since you might 
you come to take it away, that'll be a permanent drinking, and therefore you have to take Maishas. Let's see if we said it correctly. V'chein Rav Sheshes. Rav Sheshes said the same thing. V'chein Begas, when it said in our Mishnah, the same thing by the wine press, it didn't mean for the, for the law of Shabbos, it meant for the law of taking Maishas, Linyan Maishas. What do you mean to say? Because we learn. And now we're going to see the opinions that say that the person has a lot of drink, it's only going to be on condition that he put his whole head and body over, and he's really not going to take the wine away from the wine press. Because we learn, Shosim Alagas, Bein Alacham, he says, you're allowed to drink from, from this unprocessed, because so far as the wine hasn't gone to the whole, I'm sorry if I didn't explain, so far as the wine hasn't gone to the holding pit, that's when it's not processed, so I can drink from the wine press, Bein Alacham, whether I diluted the wine with hot water, which they did sometimes, Bein Alacham, whether I diluted the wine with cold water, Upater, and the person is exempt from what? From having to take Miser, because that's considered a temporary drinking. That's what Mayor said, he says, no, you have to take, you have to take Meiser, because the fact that once you, once you uh, dilute the wine, that itself is called a permanent drinking, and you're obligated to take wine, you know, take Meiser according to the rabbis. But the rabbis say, look, it depends. If you diluted it with hot water, the person has to take Meiser. Why? Because once you dilute it with hot water, you can't throw the remnants back. This is a permanent drinking, you're taking it away. Why? Because it's going to ruin the rest of the wine. But if you dilute it with cold water, then it he, he's exempt. He's exempt from taking mice because that's a temporary drinking. Okay, because he's going to throw back whatever he does. Esamotar. He's going to throw back whatever he doesn't drink. The main point is here is to whatever degree anybody here said that you're allowed to drink. We're saying the same rule from our brisa of Shabbos applies here. That just like by Shabbos, if and only if you put your whole head and your head and most of your body over, is is there no rabbinic decree to drink in the other domain? So to here only. When did we say? Whoever said it, that either, 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 either in either case, or in one case, either, or only in cold. But either way, anybody who said that you're allowed to drink from the wine press without taking Meiser said it only when you put your whole head and most of your body over it. When we say that is a temporary drink, you're not going to take the wine away from the wine press. But when you only lean over, none of the leniencies apply, and that's the comparison. So now, but the main point is this that Abaya learned from that Brisa that, you, that we do make a rabbinic decree for a rabbinic decree. Robert says, no, the, the, in the end of the, at the end of the mission, it never said that. It never said the same thing for a wine press, which, which would be according to a, which would be according to a, buyer, a rabbinic domain, and we made a rabbinic decree to, to, to protect for to protect for a rabbinic decree, decree that you'll take away from the you'll take you'll take away from the wine press to the public domain or the private domain. He says, no, that law wasn't talking about Shabbos. Only the, only the condition that we said by Shabbos is also applied to the wine press when it comes to a different law entirely, the law of Miser. Okay, so now we're going to fight about this. Oh, Ravi, you say we don't make decrees for rabbinic decrees? I'll show you we do. Let's take a look. Tanan, we learned, we learned, now we get to our Mishnah. Our Mishnah is exhibit A in a famous argument. Here, do we make rabbinic decrees to protect rabbinic decrees? Tanan, didn't we learn in our Mishnah? Come on, we learned in our Mishnah that the tail can't go out with his needle. Maybe he's going to go out on Shabbos. My love, what's the normal way? What, the, what does the tailor do? The trulo bibigdo, isn't it where he has it stuck into his garment? That's how tailors go out. They stick their needle in their garment. And they go out. In which case? In which case? And even if he did go on a Shabbos that way, is that a normal way of carrying? No. When you do a malach in an abnormal way, is it high from the Torah? No, it's only permitted by the rabbi. So what's your worst problem? Here, so you see that, the, that, the, that we prohibited him from going out with a needle in his, in, in his garment, even though if he go out that way on Shabbos, from one domain to the other, four hours to the public domain, whatever he does, it's only going to be rabbinic. And yet you see we made a decree to protect a rabbinic, a, a rabbinic decree. 
Kasha to Rabba. He says, no, that's not what he's talking about. They're not going to be other. It's thought, he didn't say it have, he has it in his garment. It's where he's carrying it in his hand. So we're afraid if he carries his hand before Shabbos, he's going to carry his hand after Shabbos, which will be a Torah prohibition. We made a rabbinic decree to protect a Torah transgression. Tashma, come on, we're going to try and attack Rava again. I'll show you, we do make rabbinic decrees to protect the rabbinic decree. We learned, it says, we learned explicitly in Abraisa that the tailor shouldn't go out with his needle stuck into his garment. <laughs> That's clear. It says it. My love, Be'er Shabbos, isn't that talking Erev Shabbos? And it's telling you, you make a decree on Erev Shabbos that you can't go out with your, with your needle in your garment lest you'll do it on Shabbos. And, and even if he does it on Shabbos, it's only going to be rabbinic, kasha to rabbi. You see, we make a decree of the rabbis. You can't go to Erev Shabbos only to protect a rabbinic problem that he might do the same thing on Shabbos. And the guy says, no. Okay, he says, That was talking on Shabbos itself. That's, that's the Gezerah. That is the rabbinic decree. Do not go out with carrying your needle in a strange way, with stuck in your, stuck in your, stuck in your um, a garment. The rabbis prohibit it. Why? Because if you do, then you're going to eventually go out in a normal way and, and be over from the Torah. That's the rabbinic decree. Not to do it that way. The Gemara says, one second, get out of here. That's not the case. Well, Tanya, we learned explicitly, explicitly. We learned clearly the other way. That he can't go out with it stuck into his garment on Erev Shabbos. Come on. That's clear as a bell. It's before Shabbos, and it's worried about it on Shabbos. When says, he says, no. He says, even that, says, that's Kasha Torah. Now we got you. He says, no, you don't have me. He says, that's according to a special opinion. That's according to, why is that? Harmani, and who that's according to? Rehudi. That's according to Rehudi, who says, the Omar, Uman, Uman, that any craftsman who carries a thing in the way that, that, a, that a craftsman does, even though other people don't, for him, that is a Torah prohibition. So when we said, to, just, just to explain it, we'll, we'll explain it in one second. In other words, he says, listen, you're making a mistake. A tailor, even though a normal person, if he would carry, if he'd carry, carry the needle by sticking into his garment, it's nothing, it's rabbinic. So you're right, if we said on Arab Shabbos that a normal person can't do it, that would be rabbinic for a rabbinic. But over here, since we're talking about a tailor, a tailor really, the truth is that on, even on, that on Shabbos, if he carries it in his garment, since that's the way of the craftsman to do, that's a normal carry, it's high from the Torah. So when we said he can't do it Arab Shabbos, it's rabbinic for a derisa, albeit only for a tailor, but it's still a rabbinic for a derisa, ah, we defend Rabbah. Let's prove this point, that, that we have this opinion that Rabbi Yehuda holds, as a, that as opposed to other people, a craftsman will be high when he does it in the way that's not normal for everybody, but the way that's normal for his craft. The Tanya we learned in Abraisa, a tailor can't go out with the needle stuck in his garment, okay? And all these other guys, they used to keep things behind their ear, we'll see in a minute, to show everybody that this was their way, and eventually they used to show everybody, they advertise their craft. Also, below he said the, the, the carpenter can't go out with his ruler, Shabazno in his ear. The guy who the guy who who um, who combs who combs the cloth to make it stand up. Okay, Bemashika, he he'd have to have a rope that he used to 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 to, to tie the comb together or to tie the garment down. Shabazno used to put it in his ear, and not the weaver with the plug that he puts into the shuttle, the shuttle that holds the, that holds the thread on the spool that it shoots back. That he, put, that he comes, that he goes back and forth to weave. He put a plug in it to hold the to hold the spool with the 
thread in it. Okay, Shabbos, no, he keeps it in his ear. The Lotzaba, not a dyer, Bedugma Shabbos, or not the dyer with the with the uh, with the sample of colors that he wears around his neck. Okay, Veloshulchani, and not a money changer, Bedina Shabbos, with the coin in his ear. The Imyots, and any of these people do go out. Potter, the person is exempt from a Torah prohibition. I will also, but it's forbidden by the rabbis. Divir Mayor, that's what Mayor's opinion. Who says no? Uman, Uman, Derechumanaso, Chayev. A craftsman, when he does it the way of his craft, that's what they do. He's obligated. Shakwal and Potter. Yes, everybody else is exempt, but he's Chayev from Torah. So that we, that Robert defended himself. He said, You're right. That bright, when you told me that we said that the tailor can't go out of Shabbos, blah, 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 that's because that's, that's according to the individual opinion. But according to everybody else, we would, never, we would never make such a decree. That decree is only according to Yehuda and not according to everybody else. So if you ask me, therefore, if we, unless, we, unless, you, unless you tell me that we say that we, that we rule like Rabbi Yehuda, we don't make, we, and, and, and then, pardon me, even if, we, therefore, my principle is true, we don't make decrees for rabbinic decrees, only for derisive decrees. And since over there it's the beginning of Rabbi Yehuda, that was a, a rabbinic decree for a derisive decree, and you still have no answer to me. I'm, always, I'm still correct that we don't make decree, rabbinic decrees for rabbinic decrees. Now, the Gemara wants to deal with, according to what we just learned, to, to deal with a contradiction. Tani Chad, we learned in one brisa, lo yetze hazav bikiso. Okay, let me, let's just take one minute to just, just, to, just to back up. You know that a zav is a person who becomes unclean by having emissions that are a certain disease that we call, uh, we call, we call ziva. Uh, okay, that's, that's an emission called zav. Yeah, it's emissions, it's not semen, it's a sickness, and, and so long as he, he becomes unclean when he, when he has an emission. When he sees three of them, he, he, he has to, he's going to have to be unclean for seven days and bring a sacrifice. That's the rule. So he has to, Azab has to, and, and for various reasons, Azab would go out with a pouch around his aver in order to, in order to, in order to catch the emission. We have to see. So Tanakhada, we learned in one, in one b'raisa, the, the Azab should not go out with the pouch that he ties onto his, onto his aver. Why is that? In order to receive the emission. But if he did, Potter, but if he did, he's exempt from Torah law because that's not a normal way of carrying. Potter, he's exempt, but it's for by the rabbis, it's not the normal way. But Tanya Idach and the other prices said, Lo he shouldn't go out. If he goes out that way, he's obligated to carbon. He, he transgressed from the Torah. So that's a tremendous contradiction. Is it only rabbinic, rabbinic or is it Torah? And Rav Yosef Lakashas, Rav Yosef says, I can resolve the contradiction. It's not difficult. Ha, oh, okay, when you told me that he's not, a, that he's not obligated, he said, Rabbi Meir, that's Rabbi Meir who said that what? That even a craftsman who went out, we just learned earlier, the argument, even a craftsman carries out the way of a craftsman. Is, is still exempt from Torah law. Ha, and when we said that he's obligated, that's what Yudu says, that the craftsman does it his way, uh, he's obligated. So we're saying, that we're saying now that the Zav, in a certain respect, this person who's not well, is like a craftsman. Since the way of a person who's sick is to, this is the way he takes out this, this pouch, so for him, it's a Torah, a Torah prohibition, according to Yehuda, but according to Meir, I don't care. Even the craftsmen, we don't care. Now the Gemara says, Amalei Abaya. So Abaya says, you can't give that answer. Why? Because he's, he's going to explain to him that your explanation of, of, of Rabbi Meir is not true. I'm going to show you that everybody to some degree holds that when it's normal for a person to do that, even though he's a special class, everyone says that it's a Torah 
prohibition. He says, why? He says, when do we see that Rabbi Meir says that even a craftsman is exempt of doing it the way of a craftsman? But something that even for him is not the way he always has to do it. In other words, let's say the tailor. The tailor, you're right, he doesn't always carry the needle in, in his, in, in his, in his uh, garment or the other people, or let's say the other guys, you know, or, or, or his garment they carry behind their ear. That's the way when they want to show people, they want, they're looking for work, they're showing, that they, they're showing that this is their job, they do it. But that's not the way they always carry it. So there, of course, when it's a question of the, he doesn't have to do it that way, or doesn't, it's not, doesn't necessarily do it that way, he says even the craftsman is exempt. But, but, he says, okay, that's something where it's always his way to do, always, it's only when did he say even the craftsman when it's not necessarily his way of doing it? But a thing that's necessarily his way, did you hear that even Rabbi Meir said that he's exempt? He says, I'll show you what I'm saying is true, that everybody holds, once a person must do it that way, that's a normal way. Why? If you don't say what I'm saying, you're going to have a very strange law which everyone agrees is not true. According to what you said, let's say a person is not, he's not a carpenter. Let's say a, non, a non-carpenter carved out a, a whole of a kav in, in a log. Okay, he's not a craftsman. Okay, the Rebbe Meir, Hachinami, the Lomachayev, are going to say to Rebbe Meir, since he does it in the way, he doesn't do it in the, in the fine way that the craftsman does, you say he's not obligated? He, he didn't do the law? It's not true. And if once a person does it way in the way that he does it, that's the normal way, and he's high from the Torah. So therefore you have to say that what? That even Rabbi Meir only said what he said because what? Only because, 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 the, ta- because the creation doesn't necessarily do it that way. But once a person necessarily does it that way, and the same thing over, you can't tell me that the reason that the Bryson had said that the Zav is exempt uh, is because it's Rabbi Meir, because here the Zav has to do it that way. He says, Lokash, he says, no way, I'll tell you what the difference is. Kan bezav balshterios, it depends whether this Zav saw two times, which in which case, in which case he has to find out whether he's going to see a third time and is obligated to bring a sacrifice, etc. So that, that case, he has to do it that way, and therefore what? He, that's the Bryson that said he's obligated. But Khan, the one that said that he's not obligated for carrying out the pouch, bezav balshterios, it's where he already saw three times, so he knows his status is a status that he's a, he's a true Zav and has to bring a sacrifice, etc. So therefore, he doesn't. Since he doesn't need, since he doesn't need to carry it out that way, he doesn't need it. To, he, doesn't, he doesn't need the pouch. So therefore, he's therefore he's not obligated. It's not. It's not normal. Mar says, "Get out of here! What are you talking about? You know, tell me a guy who saw three is not obligated. Why?" He says, What's what second? What was your reasoning? Why was the guy by two obligated? Because okay, why? He needs it to check, to check himself to see if he's going to have a third time. He says, "Zav Even a guy who's three Remember, a person who saw three times also needs a ganid pouch. Why? Because in order to become clean, he has to count seven days where he doesn't see an emission. He's going to need the pouch to see that he didn't have an emission to catch anything. So therefore what? He should still be obligated even, even if he was three. Even if he saw three times, he's still going to need for the next seven days the pouch. So why are you saying that he's exempt? says, no, no. I'll tell you what happened. Amazingly, he saw, well not so amazingly, but he saw the third seeing on Shabbos. So now he's in limbo. Why? 
When he, when he only saw two times, he needs the pouch to see if he's a three-time guy, is he, is he after being sacrificed, etc. When he's a three-time guy, you're right. He needs the pouch to check seven clean days, but here's what's amazing. The seven clean days can only begin on, on the day after he had his sighting. So he can't, because the day he saw, he's not clean. So if he saw the third seeing on Shabbos, even though he doesn't need the pouch to see that he's high of a carbon, he doesn't need the pouch to see that he needs seven clean days. But ironically, even though he needs seven clean days, he doesn't need the pouch to count the seven clean days because he can't start counting until tomorrow, until Sunday. So he's the guy who doesn't need, he, he's the guy who doesn't need the pouch, and therefore he's exempt. Yomar says, what do you mean? One second. Okay, even if he doesn't need it for a legal purpose, but doesn't he need it for just for hygienic purposes? He doesn't want to become, he doesn't want to become physically, he wants to protect himself physically from his emissions. And that should also be called needing it and should make him obligated. How can you say the Bible says he's not obligated? Because this opinion that says that he's not obligated, anything that saves a person just from uncleanliness, from getting dirty, it has no value. Now I'm explain just this one little part and that should be sufficient we know that we know that in order for let's say produce to become unclean let's say when it, when a share it's when a, uh, an insect that's unclean touches it it has to have been prepared the Torah tells it has to have water has to have come on it and the, the way that the Pasuk writes it water has to come on it in a way that even if the person the owner didn't put it on there it has to be that he's happy as if he had purposely put it on there let's say it even came by itself it has to be that he wants it to be on there so we have all kinds of laws by preparation of produce for Tuma discussing whether it truly constitutes the owner wanting it or it doesn't constitute the owner wanting it. So what happened over here? Let's say, so, so let's say the Tanan. So we learned, so we're going to show you from a, from a case that we learned by that law that things that you do just to protect from, uh, uncle- from getting dirty are not, are not uh, significant. The Tanan, because we learned. Hakofa kara alakosa, a person the rain is pouring down on the wall. And a person turned over a, a bowl onto the wall while it's raining. If he put it there so that it should wash that bowl, and now the water went onto the bowl and then consequently went onto the produce. Okay, even, okay so the, the law is Hari and that's called that, that it was put on in a way that he wanted it. Why? Because he wanted the water to go on the bowl, and once he wanted the water to go on the bowl, the fact that he, he regardless of what he felt about the produce, since the water was wanted, the water that got the produce was a true preparation, and therefore that produce is prepared to become unclean should an insect, uh, you know, the, the, the tummy insect fall upon it. However, on the other hand, im bishvil Okay, but if he, but if he wants, he's only putting the bowl down to protect the wall. From becoming damaged by the water, okay, he just wants the wall to be protected. Then, even though he wanted to put the bowl there, he wanted to put the bowl there, but he had no particular need for the water. He wanted the bowl to protect the wall from the water. Then, the water that even the fact that the bowl was there purposely, he wanted the bowl there, and he wanted the water to go in the bowl. Okay, so that it shouldn't go on the wall, but that's not considered wanting the water, so that when the water goes on the produce, that it is called a wanting, a, a purposeful putting of the, a happy putting of the water on the produce, and, and the produce is therefore, and the produce is not considered prepared. The main point is this, I'm showing you, that when you do something just to protect from damage, or you do something just to protect from dirt, that is not significant, and therefore over you said to me, how can one Brysa say that the Zav, that, that the Zav who, 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 doesn't need, who doesn't need that pouch, is, is exempt, he's always going to need the pouch just to protect himself from dirt. So I'm showing you here that protecting from dirt is not significant. Tomorrow we will attack 
this answer. Thank you, Robosite.